This is the Cheryl Stroud Skin 365 Expert Podcast, and I'm Cheryl Stroud. Today, we are going to discuss with my guest, Michael Conte, Director of Spa and Wellness at Meadowood, Napa Valley in California, how you can achieve five-star status in your spa practice. Knowing how to properly conduct yourself in the spa business is important. Whether it's being able to make polite conversation, dressing in an appropriate way at work, carrying yourself with poise and confidence, and using effective communication skills will give you the power to achieve your goals and improve your pocketbook. Michael's tips will guide you to an empowering transformation in becoming the five-star provider you are aspiring to become. But first, let's get to know a little bit more about Michael before I bring him on. Today, we are speaking with Michael Conte, Director of Spa and Wellness from Meadowood, Napa Valley. Michael Conte has 15 years of experience in the spa and wellness industry, 11 of which have been in a leadership role with luxury resorts. All the resorts that Michael has worked with are Forbes Travel Guide five-star rated. He has also served on the Forbes Travel Guide Standard Advisory Board. He received his BFA from the Boston Conservatory in Massachusetts and in 2005 decided to retire from professional theater. Michael went back to school at Mueller College of Holistic Studies in San Diego, California, where he graduated as a holistic health practitioner. He has experience working in clinical settings, day and resort spas. Michael is also the National Director of Spa Partnerships for Pietro Simone Skin Care and has a passion for creating luxury experiences for guests. For those who don't know, the Forbes Travel Guide is the only independent global rating system for luxury hotels, restaurants, and spas. Forbes Travel Guide rates over 800 rigorous and objective standards to determine their ratings. And you um, seem to have the Midas touch when it comes to achieving five-star status for the places you've worked in. Can you tell us about that? Sure. I had the good fortune of joining a beautiful property during opening in 2008 called Pelican Hill Resort, Newport Coast. And I had an amazing mentor and spa director there. And she really taught me what luxury experiences are about. And I was able to move up into leadership there. And we achieved five stars in our first year of being open. And then I moved down to Montage Laguna Beach, where I ran that spa successfully for a few years. That was also a five-star spa. And then I came up here to Meadowood in Napa Valley, and we got our five stars the first year of being open as well. So it's been a lot of fun learning how to really elevate the guest experience and give people something unique and different. Now, you have been on the board, the advisory board for the Forbes Travel Guide. What is that about? What responsibility did you have for that? Yes, I did serve on the advisory board for them for a couple of years. And basically, it is a, an incredible, talented group of hospitality professionals that each year we look at all of the standards that Forbes rates hotels, spas, and restaurants on, and we see where the trends are going. We see each year things that continue to be elevated if standards no longer are pertaining to what we're doing anymore and they need to be taken off, if things need to be adjusted or if things need to be added on, that's what the advisory board does. So we take a really close look at all of the standards that all of these places are rated on to make sure that they're fair and that they make sense 
and it brings consistency for all of the properties. So uh, today's audience is estheticians, whether they're in school, just graduating from school, or have been in the field for a while. And today's topic is achieving five-star status starts with you, the service provider. Now, I know there's a big team that's really part of that, but really, we start with the individual. How does that translate to training, staff training on behaviors and business etiquette? It is a direct correlation as a spa director or a manager. It's our jobs to make sure that we are training our staff properly. But as an individual, as an esthetician, you really catapult your career and have a much greater chance of working in a luxury spa or just having a, a wonderful private practice, if that's what you want to do, by raising the level of customer service that you offer. So it really is important on both sides. And a lot of people don't really understand that what that means for elevating customer service. But in your webinar last week with uh, Naturo Pisay, you mentioned a really great behavior that a lot of employees do, but many do not uh, seem to be conscious of it. And what you stated was, you can't come to work and expect to speak eloquently without slang and then go home and use those words. So can you just like describe that experience that you have as a uh, director of a spa and dealing with that particular topic of language? Yes. So as humans, I think we fall into routine and half the time we don't even realize that we're doing it. So I have gone through many interviews before where I'm interviewing someone and they use the word um a lot. And I will stop the interview and I'll say, I noticed that you're using the word um a lot. And they kind of maybe turn a little bit red. They don't even realize that they've been doing it. And I say, let's try to finish this interview with taking those words out. And people are often surprised because they catch themselves once they're aware of it. So there are a lot of times that you don't think that you're doing it when you are. It makes it very difficult if you're trying to speak with five-star verbiage at work, but when you go home, you're extremely casual. So I encourage all of my staff, I tell them, you have to incorporate this into your daily life. You have to learn to be able to start using more eloquent words that will become part of your habit. So when someone comes from a different environment that may not promote that kind of you know, well-used words and language, and they get sort of maybe picked on at home, you know, oh, are you trying to be hoity-toity or, you know, that kind of thing. How would an employee or spa manager or sole practitioner work on that so that they are consistent across the board without feeling ostracized? <laughs> That's a great question. Great question. Um, I want to reiterate that speaking eloquently does not mean that you're hoity-toity or that you are being stuffy. It's about using beautiful language. So instead of saying, how are ya, you say, good afternoon. It, it doesn't have to sound like you're a British butler by any means. So. <laughs> If you feel uncomfortable talking 
around your family and friends in a certain way, you definitely have to make sure that you're doing it with your coworkers and as much as possible with your other professionals that you work with. But again, it's not about sounding affectatious. It's about being genuine, just using elevated language. I have a couple more questions later on pertaining to that, but first I want to ask you, based on your experience with the Ford Travel Guide as a service provider and being on their board, how does some of those rigorous ratings work with language, dress, and behaviors you have been graded on in other spas or at Meadowood? There definitely are important standards that you are graded on that include your verbiage, your language, your appearance. So you have to make sure that you're cutting out slang, that you're not using fragmented sentences. And that could be using um too many times. That could be if you leave the room to have your client get on the table. When you knock on the door, you can't say all set. That's a fragmented sentence. You have to say, Mr. Smith, may I come in? Or are you know, Mrs. Smith, are you comfortable on the table? So all of those things they're looking at because that those small details are what elevate you to five star. You can go to a lot of places and have good service, but those are the details that are important that they look at. So in addition to not using slang and fragmented sentences, you know, it, they look at the tone in your voice. They look at the speed of your interaction. They look at how you're dressed, what your uniform looks like. All of those things are very important because when you are a guest at a five-star resort or a spa, you are using all five senses, excuse me. So you're looking at things, you're listening to things, you're smelling things, and all of those things add up. So when we're talking to the portion of our audience that are students, it's important probably for them to think about these skills and practice while they're in school getting rid of some bad habits before they work go into the workforce because they may start out working in a like massage mb or something to get experience but they may want to go to um especially here in connecticut and we're so close to manhattan as well they may want to be able to work at a luxury spa or casino that's close by or our seaside resorts that we have here and then they're going to need to have that type of skill set what do you think about those students when they get a little sloppy possibly in school? I will tell you it is extremely important to pay attention to that while you're in school. There is a great demand for service providers in our industry. Every year at the iSpa conference we talk about what a demand there is. Most luxury spas need good therapists. We are all short-staffed. So if you can train yourself to elevate what you offer, you have a much better chance of getting into one of those places quicker. I know that it's very difficult because I started as a massage therapist and I would send my resumes in and people would say, well, you don't have enough experience yet, but you can't get the experience unless they give you a chance. So I just made sure that I was presenting myself as professional as possible and now we're in a very different age where there's so many more spas in the country. You really can 
move your career forward if you put this at the top of mind? So in marketing, um, I spent uh, 35 years in marketing before becoming an esthetician, and we called it the unique selling proposition, your USP. So this is on an individual basis and your individual brand, speaking correctly, uh, dressing well, and grooming yourself well, and getting practice doing so is can be part of that unique selling proposition as an employee going in for an interview. Absolutely. Because you interview quite a few people and I'm sure you have stories to share of how people walk in to an interview. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I, I'm kind of blown away. I've had people show up in ripped shorts and flip flops and tank tops and it, it kind of boggles my mind because you're coming into this incredibly beautiful property and that's how you show up. And I, I, it makes me think like, who taught this person? Maybe they didn't have anybody teaching them, but just common sense would make me feel that you want to put your best self forward. I see a lot of resumes that have typos on them and all of those little things add up to me because even if I was interviewing somebody for a reservationist, if I see typos on their resume, I'm going to think, well, what if they send out something like this to a guest? So yes, you have to make sure that you are looking at all of that when you're going to present yourself to a company. So can you give the listeners an idea of what the average cost of a, a spa service is so that they get a perspective? And it doesn't really matter if you're charging less than what a luxury spa does because your service should be the same across the board. But to give an idea of what the average cost is to give them a perspective of what luxury pricing looks like. Sure. I mean, I've seen five-star spas that charge anywhere from 200 to $245 for a 60 minute massage. And then there's a 20% service charge that's automatically added to that. So you're looking at anywhere between $240 all the way up to 300 for 60 minutes. And that is a direct correlation to what the therapists are being paid. When you work at a luxury property like that, you can make a really good salary. And so it's, it can be very lucrative for a professional therapist. Right. So then the clientele is looking for almost perfection and it's a good habit to get into starting out from school or when you get your first job or second job onto, even if you started your own spa and then decided it wasn't for you and were, wanted to go to a luxury location, that these skills are really important. Sure. I mean, when I started, I was working for myself, but we all know it's, it's a lot of work to run your own business. And when I was introduced to luxury spas, I thought, you know what, I can make at least the same amount, if not more money, and not have to worry of all the stress of all the ordering and everything else that comes along with your own business. So yes, it definitely is important. And I want to emphasize that when our guests come in, perfection is not necessarily what they're looking for. They're looking for a really wonderful, gracious experience. My staff are super warm and caring. They're not robotic at all. And that's what the guests are looking for. They're looking for 
the ultimate pampering. They're looking for a therapist that is very well skilled. And all of the, this extra stuff is the icing on the cake. We have a lot of information out there on how to improve your technical skills, but very little a lot of times on this topic. So that's why I wanted to address it not because of your statement from that webinar, which was really fantastic. And I know that the Forbes is part of the five-star experience uh, rating, but also you have your clients and guests who give ratings as well. How important is language and dress and behavior, speed of speech, uh, walking into the room, knocking on the door, important to your guests? When you are working with the top 1%, I think it is very important. And that is why they're paying the money that they're paying. That is why they're choosing to visit these places because they know that that consistency is going to be there. They know that there is a level of service that they're always going to get. And that's something that they're accustomed to. So I think that that's definitely something that they pay close attention to. I know for myself, that no matter what job I do or have done, I always do it 100%. So if I had to sweep a floor, I do it with the same elevated thoughts that I would if I was managing a team. It doesn't matter what task I'm doing, it always has to be at 100%. So when, I'm just trying to bring this down for some people who are listening that may not be interested in luxury spa work, but might be, interested in their own, opening their own spa or just working for a very good one. So regardless of luxury or not, the skill set should be there to behave in this manner. Of course, even if you're not going to a luxury place, even if you're going to a McDonald's, you still want nice service. Um, if you go to a Massage Envy, there's nothing wrong with Massage Envy at all, but you still want to have a pleasant experience. So it's the little simple things of saying, what can I get you versus mm -hmm. what, what would you like versus how may I assist you? There's different varying levels and how may I assist you just sounds so much better. It's a much more pleasant experience. So it doesn't matter what level you want to work at. Luxury is not for everybody. Not everybody wants to work in that environment because it can be stressful. There's a lot, there's a lot of responsibility for therapists that are working in those areas because one person could make you lose that fifth star. And that type of pressure is not for everybody, but you still can use these tools anywhere you go. So how do you help someone improve their language when they're working on your staff? When I interview people, I always let them know I want to have a beautiful work environment. I want people to have fun. I want us to be a big family. But I also let people know that it is a tough environment and we do give regular feedback. And that can be from the director, from a manager, a supervisor, or even a coworker. You have to create that culture so that people get used to it. And when you give regular feedback, it's not to knock anybody down. It's to just help improve them. So I let them know, if you join our team, you will get regular feedback. It doesn't mean anything bad about you. We're trying to make you a better professional. And I encourage my team to share back and forth. And that takes a little bit of getting used to, but as long as it's not done maliciously, it really can create a great harmony between the team because everyone is invested. Everybody wants that goal. And so that's really what I do. We, we play games with it. There's a lot of fun things that you can do so that it's not just 
you know, harping on somebody. Have you ever recommended an employee to have speech lessons? I have not. But if somebody's really struggling, I don't think that it would hurt. I think that public speaking classes can be great. I think that speech classes can be good as well. I mean, anything that you're doing to better yourself is certainly a great way to move forward. In marketing, we have a saying, one sight, one sound, meaning that there needs to be consistency on what the company does, how it behaves, the people in it, the language they use to be consistent with the brand. So how important is it for an employee to understand the branding message that they're working in and how to speak in according to that brand? I think it's vital, especially if you're working for a company that has really strong values. That really comes from leadership. The leadership and the ownership are the people that need to make sure that this information is getting to their employees and then the employees in turn will share that with the guest. But if you don't, if your personal values don't align with your company's values, or there's something that you don't agree with, that's probably not the best place for you to be working. You wanna make sure that you're working with a place where you agree with the culture, and you have to be excited about that and know that you are representing this company and it is part of your job. It's not just your job to give a good facial. It's part of your job to make sure that you're representing the company as a whole and you're providing what the company is telling their guests they're going to be receiving. You know, Michael, I've always coached people. They're interviewing the company as much as the company is interviewing them. And those kind of questions how does one go about asking those questions about the company values and culture in an interview so that they know that they are a good fit as well? I think that it is really important for somebody to figure out what kind of environment they want to work in. And I love it when people come into interviews and have a list of questions for me because it shows me that they're prepared. It shows me that they know what they want as well. And when I was interviewing as a therapist, I would do the same thing. I wanted to know, how do you coach and counsel your team? How do you mentor your team? What are the most important values? What is your leadership style like? All of those different things that were important to me as a therapist, I want to make sure that I'm asking those questions as well, because like you said, it's just as important for you to ask them because you want to go into a place that you enjoy working every day. And if you don't ask those questions, you could get into a spot where you don't enjoy your job after a while, and then you've got to start looking for something else. Exactly. And then you're not being authentic and being the person that, for instance, you're looking for of being just happy at work, authentic you know, wanting to be there so that you actually make the guests feel that they had a wonderful experience. Correct. We were talking, we started out talking about language. Your statement in general had hold, held true for behaviors as well, that you can't expect to follow a standard of cleanliness, graciousness, and hospitality at work if you don't do those things at home. <laughs> and now that we have this COVID, we're going to have to be really super clean. So what do you think about the behavior part too? <laughs> I I do believe in that. I think that I have therapists that 
I, I can tell by what they're like at work, what their home environment is probably like. And I'm not talking about, you know, if you've got kids, little toddlers running around and you've got a floor of toys all over, that's not what I'm talking about because we know that that can be a lot to pick up. I'm talking about being clean versus messy. So as an esthetician, everyone is taught that hygiene and cleanliness is extremely important. So you need to make sure that your room is being cleaned properly. You know, I always tell my staff, we've got cabinets and cupboards in the rooms. There are going to be guests that will open those when you're not in the room. And so it's important that when you open those cabinets, that your towels are all neatly folded and aligned, that all of the product is wiped down and clean and in order. Because if you go into a room and it looks clean, but you open up a cupboard and it's a disaster, that's going to make me nervous as a guest saying, oh, I don't know if I want to come back here again. So I do think it's important to, again, have a connection between your personal life and your professional life when you're looking at those types of things. One question I ask usually in interviews is, please describe your closet for me, right? What it looks like right now. And I usually get a pretty good gauge of how someone is. I'm one of those crazy people. So everything's color coded and in, in um, height uh, fashion from start to finish. And then I tend to be obsessive when I walk past things. I had, I raised three boys. So um, when I walk past things, I just pick it. I have this habit of picking up and, you know, moving it to wherever it's supposed to go I, on my way, on my, on my path. And even at a dinner table, I tend to get nervous about people knocking things over who use their hands a lot. So I'll always grab glasses and bring it to the center of the table. So <laughs> yeah, you can tell a lot by people's behaviors. Yes. And you know, I think it's important to say that when you have a team, A players like to work with other A players. They don't like to work with C players. And so, you know, not everybody is going to be, because I'm like you, like my closet is all color coded and everything has to be on the same type of hanger and equally spaced. That's just who I am as a person. I'm very type A. Not everybody is going to be like that and that's okay. And I tell my other type A therapists, like, it's all right if somebody doesn't have the towels exactly to the centimeter, but those people that aren't like that, there has to be some give and take so that everything is still uniform and looks nice. So you don't go around with a ruler measuring everything? Well, I do do regular checks, but yeah. again, you know, I have to give a little bit of give and take. As long as things look good and are extremely hygienic and clean, I'm happy. When we start with the individual employee as the building block for a solid foundation for five-star achievement, what are your suggestions on training, training, training? Because you mentioned that in the Natura Bisset webinar about training, training, training. Yeah, I think when you're dealing with particularly Forbes, there are so many standards that are being rated when someone comes in for an assessment or a secret shop that it has to become second nature to the therapist so they're not having to think about it. So things like name usage, you have to use the guest name a certain amount of times during an interaction. So I teach my therapist where they can put it in so that it just becomes second habit to them and they don't have to think about it. When you have to continually think about all the standards, it makes it difficult to 
go above and beyond that. And that's what you want to do. You don't want to, you don't want it to feel robotic. Like I need to think about this standard next. I need to think about this standard next. So by just training, doing things over and over and over role playing, drilling things in, having your therapist practice with each other as a manager or leader, you should be having regular treatments with your staff every once in a while so that you can make sure that they're keeping up and they're doing all of the things that you want them to. <clears throat> there are a lot of different resources out there that you can use to make sure that you are training your staff and that they feel like they are comfortable with everything that you're expecting them to do. So before you get secret shopped, do you do your own secret shopping before like a Forbes might show up? Well, you really don't know they're showing up, but do you do that so that you as a manager know what to correct? Yes, we don't know when Forbes comes and that's always the tricky thing. So that's why consistency is so important. Every single guest that comes in should be receiving the exact same service. So I do have people come in to secret shop and send me reports. That can be other spa directors that I know in the area. That can be people who have worked in hotels before and they, they know Forbes. Or it could just be a friend that I'm looking to make sure that they have a great experience. And it may not be all of the standards per se, but I want to make sure that they're feeling taken care of. And I've done a lot of secret shops for other people as well. So it's definitely something that we do on a regular basis to make sure that our team is upholding everything that they need to be. And then you mentioned training your staff to be on stage all the time. What are the expectations for what that looks like? I actually got my degree in musical theater and back in 2000, oh, I'm dating myself. Um, I was doing the Broadway tour of Chicago and my director at the time said something to me that really stuck. He said, at any time in the show, it doesn't matter if you're the back chorus person, somebody in that audience is always looking at you. Even if it's one person, there's always someone whose eyes are on you. And that's, what I try to teach my team. You don't know when someone's going to come around the corner. You don't know if somebody is listening that you can't see. So it's always important to make sure that you're standing upright, that you're having appropriate conversations, that you can be surprised at any moment with a guest or a coworker that you're not embarrassed by what you're doing. And I think that's a really important thing to think about. The same thing with cell phones. I stress to my team all the time, your cell phone should never be out, even if you're just, you want to check an email real quick or check a text, because you just don't know. And if someone catches you with something like that, it just changes the experience a little bit. Explain what that impact is for the guests, the environment that, that a meta would, would be trying to create. Well, when you have, I mean, when you think about it, if, if you're going to pay $200 for an hour, I want that professional, I want their undivided attention. I am paying to be taken care of and I don't want them to be distracted. If, and I've had it happen before where I was getting a massage from someone and they started working on me with one hand and I could hear tapping. and. My, I was face down and I thought, this therapist is text messaging while they're massaging me. I was 
blown away. And it was such an upsetting thing. And even if you're not going to that extreme, you know, stepping away to check an email or to send a text or look at your watch to read something, it just takes away from the experience. And people are very aware of what's happening when they're paying for something. So it just, just wait until your break. It's not going, we're all so addicted to our phones these days. It's really just become a bad habit. I read somewhere that the average person checks their phone 800 times a day. I mean, that's just insane. And it's just because we've gotten used to it. So I encourage my team to put their phones away, be fully present and on your breaks or your lunch, that's when you can get back to people. Nothing is that important that it can't wait a little bit. So the impact as well would be, can you elaborate on that, the cell phone, you know, like being out or the iWatch, losing clientele. If, if somebody experienced what you experienced, they would never come back. Exactly. And retention is so important. You want your guests to come back, especially when you're working in a luxury property setting because not everybody can afford $200 for treatment. So you have to make sure you're taking care of those guests. But no matter where you work, you want to make sure that you're taking care of the guests so that they leave and they, they talk to their friends about you. They refer you. That's a great way to build your business no matter where you are. You want people to go out and say, oh my gosh, I just had the best facial with this esthetician. You have to go see them. Instead of going and saying, you know, I was getting this facial and it was really great. And then she stepped away because her phone rang in the middle of my treatment or I heard a ping or I heard a vibration that just pulls people out of their experience. And there are so many other places that they can go. It's, it's very easy for people to say, you know what, I'm not going to give you a second chance. And in a resort luxury setting, most of the, your clientele is not living nearby correct? Most of them are coming for, for vacation or a weekend away. We do. Most of our clientele is traveling. Yes. But the percentage is probably higher in the traveling clientele. So to lose that clientele for a cell phone use or poor language use, poor dress attire or unclean uniform could really cost an establishment and then your paycheck as an individual pretty significantly. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're talking about the, the potential of losing tens of thousands of dollars because you do have people that come back every year or will return. And if someone has a bad experience and they say, you know what, I'm not coming back, then you've lost their entire business for the rest of that person's travel in the future. Right. And then we've been talking a lot about an establishment that has a lot of people that can support the five-star standards in terms of the front desk all the way through to the cleaning crew. However, what advice would you give to a sole practitioner in keeping five-star standards? Well, as a sole practitioner, you are a one-man show and everything is important. So that means that you're making sure your facility is immaculate, that make, you're making sure that if you offer your guests snacks, that they're a nice quality, that you are 
following up with people? When you, when someone makes a, uh, an appointment with you, are you sending them a confirmation? Are you following up with them after? That is a big one. I think if you have a private practice, it's such a nice touch to be able to call someone a couple days or a few days later and just say, I'm just checking in with you to see how your skin's doing. That to me is really wonderful personalized service. And that makes me feel like, wow, that esthetician really cares about what they're doing. And they took the time out of their day to call and make sure that I'm happy with what I experienced. That is what's going to create that loyalty. Yes, exactly. Then also, what is the impact of like fence sitters or non-adopters in your environment for improving their language or behaviors? Well, I think fence sitters, they, they obviously have to jump to one side or the other. And if you are working with a team, you're, as I mentioned before, your, <clears throat> your A team is going to want them to jump over to their side because they're not going to want somebody who's teetering back and forth. And so you have to get that person to commit or ultimately it's not going to be a good fit. You know, the people that don't really think that it's important, <clears throat> they're not going to be a good fit for your business. And sometimes you have to part ways. I do try and scare people when they come and work for me because I want them to know that it is a, it can be a very tough environment. You have to give your all a hundred percent all the time. And some people just don't like working in that environment. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, but it, you can't have somebody that's not willing to give that hundred percent all the time and expect to be able to perform at the level you want them to. Yeah. It, Michael, is there anything that we missed that you would like to talk about in terms of employee poise? Well, I think, you know, especially for students or people who are just starting out in their career, you really can have an extremely lucrative business and career in this field, present yourself well. And I think that it's just important to really make sure that you take time to think about where you want to work, what kind of business you want to work in. And from there, you work on yourself as a person and as a professional. And don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask for mentorship. There are many people who I've hired that are a little bit green behind the ears, but I can see potential in them. And I'm happy to give them that mentorship and guide them to help them grow as a professional. So when you're looking for places to work, that's something that I think that you should also ask about. So when someone wants to elevate their behaviors and language to a five-star status, what would you recommend as the first thing that they should maybe tackle? I think that one, you want to make sure that you've got a professional resume. So either go to a resume company that can help you or ask somebody who has great experience with that and put something together because a lot of times that's the first thing that people are going to see before they talk to you, before they see you, before they meet you. So make sure you have a nice resume. When you go in for interviews, make sure that you're dressed well and don't get nervous. When people come into interview, we want you to be good. We want to find great people. We're not here to scare you. We're not here to um, make you feel nervous. And so just take a deep breath and know we're on your side. 
And then third, just make sure that you're taking time in an interview setting. A lot of times people will just start talking before they formulate their thoughts. And that's when the ums and the ers come in. So if somebody asks you a question, just pause and think about what you want to say before you start to answer. And you can do the same thing as far as verbiage goes. People just start talking too quickly before they formulate their thoughts. And if you take a moment, think about what you want to say, and then say it, a lot of times that's going to improve your, your languaging right there. Anything else? I think that's all I've got for today. And then I do have one last question, only because you brought up interviews. How important is it for you, first, an interviewee, when, when you ask the question that I just asked, is there anything else you want to tell me or anything else you want to know? And they don't have any questions for you. How do, as the hiring agent, how does that make you feel about that? I guess it depends on how long and involved the interview is. We've had a really thorough interview and I feel like it's been good and they don't have any questions or they haven't already interviewed with somebody else, then it's okay. But I do think that it's good to have a few questions in your back pocket just because as an interviewer, it makes me think that this person has taken time to really think about what it is that they're looking for as well. There is one more thing that I actually want to throw in. If you go to interview with someone, do your homework. Make sure that you read up on the company. I can't tell you how many times I've had people come in and I say, so what can you tell me about Meadowood? And they're like, uh, well, it's a classy place. I'm like, oh no. So go to the website, do your homework. I'm always impressed with that. When people can come in and give me details about the company, it makes me see that they have done their homework and that they're serious about wanting to work for me. Michael, is there anything that you'd like to plug, such as a book you've written or Meadowood employment opportunities or Meadowood itself? Well, uh, now with everything that's going on, unfortunately, we're not hiring for new staff, but um, as estheticians, I would love to plug a skincare brand called Pietro Simone Skincare. Um, I'm the national sales partnership uh, director for that company, and it's a beautiful line. So if you have some time and you're passionate about amazing skincare, pietrosimone.com. All right. Well, that's fantastic. And I read when I read that in your bio, I was going to ask you for a follow-up podcast on that. <laughs> so you can tell us <laughs> yes, more about actually, that, too. Yes, I would love to. And I'm sure Pietro would love to jump on a call with you as well. Oh, that would be awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It was really fantastic information. And I really enjoyed all the answers that you had for us. Thanks for having me uh, so much today. A big thank you to Michael Conte. That was a really interesting episode. Well, great tips on being the best version of you. Because in the spa industry, it can affect your client following, business, and ultimately the money you make. I'm Cheryl Strath. And you've been listening to Skin365.expert, the podcast. You can follow Skin365.expert and Cheryl Rushy Stroud on Instagram or visit us on Skin365.expert on the web. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcast and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Skin365.expert conversation. Thank you for listening.